Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. Um, in this week's episode, we're talking about something that people end up talking about almost every single day, all the time, which is about portrayals of sex on screen. And we're adding our layer to that by asking what can feminist sex scenes actually look like. And to help us unpack this question, we have a super special guest. We have with us actor, model, filmmaker, Nena Bhan, who you may recognize as Koel Kalra on Class. And most importantly, she's also recently trained as an intimacy coordinator herself. So we're really, really excited to unpack this topic with you, Nena. And I think to start off with, let's ask everyone, what is one sex scene from a movie or a TV series that has stayed with you? This is Shishti, your host, by the way. Yeah, hi. Firstly, this is Nena speaking. Um, I've been in love with this podcast uh, and obsessed with it, honestly. The last few plane rides I've taken, I've just downloaded all the episodes and I've been listening to it on repeat. Uh, so thanks so much for having me. Um, I think that's such an interesting question. Actually, when we were filling in the, uh, you know, our applications to become intimacy coordinators, um, they were, I mean, one of the questions was, can you think of any scene in Indian films that has really stuck with you? And it was really tough to say, uh, I think the intimacy between like, uh, in Ramlila was something that really kind of st stood out, uh, and it was so much about, you know, the build-up to actually, uh, you know, both the characters coming together. It was that tease. It was the push and pull. And all of those, um, all of the tension was so nicely punctuated that, that that is one film and that is one choreography that always, that, that holy choreography between Deepika yeah. and Ranveer really yeah. stands out. It kind of embodies Indian lust and, yeah. Yeah. Hi, this is Ravita. And yeah, that is a great point, Nana. I did not think of that because when I was thinking about this question, I actually, and not because you're here, but actually thought of class because, <laughs> because it's like, when I saw it, I, didn't, I mean, I, I went into it blind. I didn't know what to expect. I haven't seen Elite. So when I saw it and then I saw the sex scene start, I was like, I was shook because I was like, this is, is this an Indian show? I'm amazed. Like I have not seen something like this before uh, with Indian actors and Indian characters. Uh, and it's not just like love or lust, but like the different shades of what sexual experiences can be like. That was that was quite uh, fascinating <laughs> to, to witness. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. That's the first compliment I've heard for the sex scenes <laughs> on class. Yeah, I, I actually totally agree with Rohita, like really refreshing and, and really fun to watch. Uh, you know, interestingly, I go back to a memory of Salam Namaste and watching that like with my family on a DVD and like my little cousin uh, being asked to close his eyes whenever there is an uh, intimate scene between Saif Ali Khan and Preeti Zinta because that film was really raunchy for its times, okay? Like from the premise to the intimacy to everything. So, I mean, from that journey to class, actually we're seeing a bit of an evolution of like just our attitudes towards intimacy on screen, right? So, um, I mean, Nena is somebody who is in the industry and, you know, as a young actor within the industry, like... Um, 
what do you think do you think that the approach to intimacy has changed what, what are the kind of conversations that you're having maybe even taking us through the conversations that perhaps you had um you know on the sets of class with filming the intimate scenes that you did um and other actors too i have to admit very late into my life there was that was still the way that we consumed television and uh, you know whenever whenever i'm sitting with my parents to watch something even though i'm a full grown adult and we're all adults in the room my father always looks the other way and we all look the other way so to cut from that to class where you know i'm the one on screen has been really interesting um uh, i think of course uh, and this and the show coming out has also been a, a really interesting observation for me to see how people are responding to it uh we signed this show about 3 years ago and uh, it took very long to make because of the lockdown we kept hitting lockdown after lockdown after lockdown so something that should have taken 3 months took 2 years to shoot and you know over those 3 years the 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 way that um intimacy or or even the way that web series were being consumed completely changed where you know when we started with like sacred games or you know mezapur they were taking a lot more leaps you know for what they were doing at that point of time and then it was first really welcome then there was a second wave where they were like okay no we're, maybe we're not feeling so good about this and then the, you know the audience is like clamp back and 3 years later today we're sitting at a place where i think it's really i feel like audience is a little bit numb to uh to seeing intimacy on screen in fact uh a lot of the responses that we did get was oh these are much smaller or what was the intimacy they kissed you know so uh, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to see um i had a lot of stress uh, leading up to the release of the show um because suddenly i was you know like i don't know what's going to happen on the other side of this i mean you know at the end of the day there are not a lot of like female actors who are really going out there and taking you know risks like this okay it's great to do it for art it's great to do it for you know the nuance and all of that but uh what does it really look like in my day to day life am i going to have an issue with my safety is it going to be difficult for me to move in different environments yeah. because i it's not like this you know after the show i'm suddenly like you know jet setting and living in this like lavish penthouse i'm very much i'm like back to the same life that i had but the first month uh, the first two three weeks i was feeling a little bit uncomfortable because uh there was i mean obviously there was a lot of love for the show but there was also a lot of comments that and i can't tell you the number of people that thought that the sex was real and still do to this day you know yeah. so it became this weird thing where people thought that i was like the character and that it was easy to maybe strike up that conversation with me or i had the same kind of sexual appetite as coel and i would you know uh, kind of engage in conversations like that with them so that kind of was a little bit stressful yeah. where on one side there was an audience that was saying that okay uh, amazing job we recognize what you did and it takes a lot of guts to do it the other side of the audience was like what is this this isn't even enough to qualify as sex and then the third which was like hey baby <laughs> <laughs> you know how are you what's up let's do this so that's been a little bit um, of the way things have gone on and then in terms of the conversations that we were having on set um 
the good thing was that uh, I think all the filmmakers involved come from a body of work where they have, uh, you know, had very, very healthy lenses and gazes on intimacy. Mm. So, um, so that first step of the battle was taken care of because I wasn't out there trying to protect the gaze that was coming on me. You know, there was that initial comfort of, okay, I know they're not going to pan up my leg in this sleazy way and, you know, it's going to make me feel really uncomfortable. So that was like a really thankful first step of the battle that I didn't have to navigate. Then came the question of um, generally, genuinely trying to set a language for Koyal's intimacy because it is part of her arc. It's not that she's just like, yeah. you know, uh, filling that space because it needs to be filled. There needs to be something that has to happen beyond it. She can't just be a caricature of uh, of a character. So there was always a negotiation for that to see, okay, what would it look like with Bali? What would it look like with Sharan? Um, is she really looking empowered? Like, I remember there was a time when I was kind of... Uh, fighting for me to keep my bra on in a, in one of the scenes because uh, I was like, okay, it doesn't make sense if this is for her. If this is for her pleasure, why is she taking her clothes off? If if she's having a stable boy fantasy, she should just be sitting back and enjoying herself. Mm-hmm. And Bali should be doing all the you know all the theatrics, and that would be really interesting to watch. Um, and then fighting over nuances of like little dialogues, like. I think there was a dialogue when uh, Koyal and Sharan, when Sharan watches Koyal and Bali for the first time and uh, Koyal kind of brings it up with him and she's like, oh, are you keeping a log of the number of times I've made you come? And I'm like, why are we keeping a log of the number of times I've made you come? Why aren't we keeping a log of the number of times Sharan has made Koyal come? It just didn't, things didn't kind of sit sometimes. Um, so uh, those were some things that we were, uh, you know, negotiating and navigating. That's really interesting because like so far when we talk about um, sex scenes and films and TV, uh, the conversation predominantly has revolved around intimacy coordinators. But then clearly it's it's so much more than that. There's like it depends on the kind of set you're in, the trust you have with everybody else involved uh, and not just the intimacy coordinator. And ultimately, like an intimacy coordinator probably can't protect uh you know, people from how they are perceived afterwards, like you have spoken, you've spoken about, like after the scene is shot, after the the film or the show has released, how do people read the scene? Um, and then the cultural context really matters over there. And I think that's what made it so interesting, like class in particular, because again, like we haven't really seen too much of this. So I can imagine that you know, you would have been on the receiving end of a lot of discomfort also because people just like, you know, no matter the gaze, at the end of the day, a sex scene is a sex scene for a lot of people when they see it on TV. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that's also one of the reasons why I trained to be an intimacy coordinator because it was this, it is that, you know, okay, no matter how professionally things are handled, which they were, it does bleed into you because there's, you can't really uh, separate, you know, um, the vulnerability that you feel from the, profe- like, from you being a professional. Of course, I'm a professional. I'm going to show up and I'm going to, even if I'm feeling a certain way on the inside, I'm going to, you know, show up and do my job because that's what I was contracted to do. 
but when you sit back after the show after filming and how that makes you feel or again like you know when when the show comes out it's really you left to yourself to fend for whatever is going to come in the aftermath so um i think a, a very important reason why i i moved to intimacy coordination was just to be able to champion actors and cha- champion consent and boundaries in an environment where it's not an equal power yeah. dynamic you know even if there's no casting couch it still is not an equal power dynamic because at the end of the day you know i was not an actor before i i, I did class it it came to me and i i i understood the value of the opportunity in terms of what the doors it would open up for me so i would want to do those take those risks and be you know um taking certain risks that i would not have taken in my day to day life because i know okay on the other side i i am on a netflix international show in 100 and whatever 90 countries like this is never going to happen for me in my lifetime you know so yeah just how to navigate that kind of space um is why intimacy coordination that's really interesting and you know it's very interesting that you introduce the dynamic of like consent and uh, the power dynamics which are so much more than just about people or about gender it's about opportunity it's about uh, you know class there about cultural and social capital there's a lot that plays into um, you know how scenes are performed and how comfortable um, artists are um if you could i think like before we go further into the conversation it would also be interesting for a lot of listeners who might not be aware to understand exactly what it is that an intimacy coordinator does really and um does their role also in uh, extend to scenes that do not involve sex but let's say are uh, sensual in any way like let's say a sensual dance or you know uh, for instance the scene when you watch balli in his photo shoot or you know something like that just mm-hmm. okay great uh, great thing to pick up on actually um so an intimacy coordinator is a professional on set who facilitates scenes of intimacy uh whether that involve choreographing the actual scene or if it just kind of is um completely or if it's just about you know ensuring that certain guidelines are followed uh we generally follow the sag after after the actra guidelines which are either the american federation or the or the canadian one where um, there is uh, you have to have a close yeah. set where there are about eight people present and those are people who are essential to the set you have to make sure that actors boundaries are in place you have to make sure that uh, before that there are nudity riders that uh, intimacy coordinators put together so it's very very technical so if when you're looking at the script and you're breaking down a scene you really break it down for okay this will be the choreography this will be the um, level of nudity and this will be the kind of simulated sex to the point of okay uh are you okay with exposing the left profile of your breast excluding yeah. the nipple or we will see the uh, we will see the actor in rare nudity uh with half the cheek or something yeah. like that and all of these things are signed upon and consented to by the actor before the day yeah. of shoot so that's something that an intimacy coordinator would look into then doing workshops with actors to make sure that you um you know get them comfortable with each other we are not supposed to um 
actually perform any of the sequences or the choreographies until we're on set. Even in rehearsals, it just and those are rehearsals that happen just before we go on set, it's a very rough marking of, okay, this will be the movement, this will be the motion, and we'll do this for two, three beats, and then we go to set and we act, perform the actual choreography. Yeah. So that's essentially how it happens. Um what was the, the other part of the question? Sorry, it, it was also like, is it just in scenes where it involves? Yeah, or... correct. Correct. So, um, intimacy coordination is something that's very, very new as a field. Uh, so new internationally, but even newer in India. And uh, because the idea of sex and uh, is so different here, and the way that it's been kind of guarded or tabooed is so different here that. Um, we make a recommendation and we think it is a good to have an intimacy coordinator for, of course, item songs, for scenes where, like you said, where, you know, maybe Koel is gazing at Bali, but also for scenes of violence, for scenes of bullying, anything that's kind of putting an actor into a vulnerable place or could essentially trigger yeah. somebody is a good place to have an intimacy coordinator on board. Just to ensure, again, like, you know, um, the safety of the actors or even crew members. Sometimes, you know, you might be watching a scene of violence as a crew member and it might trigger something from your past in you. And just to make sure that there's somebody on set who can kind of look into uh, and just touch base with everybody because sets are a chaotic yeah. place <laughs> and everybody's kind of running over time to do that one specific job that they have. And you don't realize when you might really uh, you know throw someone off balance because you were too busy doing something else so it's really good to have that one person who's looking out on set over all of these things that's really interesting to understand the dynamics also better now I think if we move to talking a little bit more about like our perceptions of consent and intimacy on screen as like critical audiences right and as people who've been I mean privy in the sense as the whole public has been privy to more and more conversations where actors are coming out and talking about how they were uncomfortable with scenes that were shot um, and we're just hearing about it now right like for instance most recently Sharon Stone had spoken about her scene in Basic Instinct and how that became a reason for a judge to question whether she should you know be the guardian for her child and like became a point of contention in a guardianship case and then previously she'd also spoken about how her crotch was deliberately shown in the final cut and that was done without her consent like she was not even aware of it um now i mean a, a question of just like exploring dynamics of consent there how, how do you look back at scenes like that like where actors have spoken up now do we have a responsibility to look at them outside of the narrative and like question them or wh what do we do as audiences as fans of the film maybe or just people who are consuming that piece of art and uh, you know if something is captured on camera uh, does the scene belong to the directors and editors from that point or is it the actors because ultimately it's their body and their image and their perception and how do you decide at what point um does the actor's decision making get dropped from the process so a few questions there maybe we can even start by talking yeah. about like what came up for us when we maybe even read about that um you know for the first time mm -hmm. it's so tricky to navigate and there are a lot of things that i learned as an IC or studying to be an IC that I wish I'd known when I was signing the contracts. 
because uh, there, there just is such a lack of awareness of what you can ask for even as a first-time actor yeah. and that that and these are the things that you can ask for you can like Sharon Stone said that they showed her crotch deliberately you can actually ask specifically on your contract to not uh, digitally paint over things so we wear barriers and we wear you know uh, body tape and stuff so sometimes maybe the body tape would be very close to your uh, nipples and in post uh, a filmmaker can just go and paint over it and make it seem like you know you're more naked than you are and it just look like skin now that's something that you can safeguard in your contracts or the other thing which I wish I had known when I was um, you know signing on was that I didn't know that you could, um, one, see the edit and have a say on the edit. Two, I didn't know that you could uh, stop those specific scenes, scenes of intimacy, from being used in promos Mm. or any kind of advertising for the show. Like very recently, this happened where uh, this journalist had done uh, this Instagram interview with the makers of class and I saw it and and it literally has all of the intimacy scenes as the b-roll on that video and that was really honestly very triggering to watch and when I brought it up you know the conversation was oh but you know we're talking about consent and we're talking about boundaries and we're talking about you know we're talking about all the right things so why do you have an issue with the video and and technically, according to my contract, if anything is under 30 seconds, it's okay to be seen because, uh, you know, it's not even BTS. It's not even, this is all stuff that's already on the show. But again, there's like, there needs to be some level of consent there or a heads up that, hey, uh, I know your, uh, your intimacy scenes are on Netflix, which is a paid portal that people still have to go to to access those scenes. We're just going to take all of them and put them on this interview that uh, is uh, talking about all the right things. And we're going to put it on a free um, platform like Instagram so that everyone can engage with it. So that kind of stuff I feel like is a a little bit of a, you know, it's such a gray space because I'm with you for all the conversations you're you're kind of, you know, bringing to light. But if you're going to use like very clickbaity b-roll of my scenes of intimacy to bring people into the conversation then I really don't know what to say what kind of statements are we making here so uh stuff like that and um the thing with consent and actors is that and 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 if there are any actors to watch this uh you can revoke consent at any point of time despite your contract up until the scene has been shot and after the scene is shot, you cannot revoke that consent. After the scene is shot, that scene does not belong to you. It belongs to uh, the production. It belongs to whoever. Then it is what it is. Um, to the point that the scene is shot and you remove consent, a producer has the right to get a body double to perform the things that you have agreed to in your nudity rider. So you might not have to do them, but somebody else will do them on your behalf and then they'll stitch that to look like it was you so you have to be be prepared for all of these things um and um yeah that's kind of how it works now how people feel about it and how you kind of approach it through your life I think changes I might feel empowered I might have felt empowered one year ago but then six months ago not so much 
um but then when the show came out and and the conversation was a lot more about people recognizing the risks i took and were kind of supporting brave decisions then i felt a little better about it uh but as as time changes you know all of this stuff changes i mean all of the things that are happening in the 90s and the early 2000s are being cancelled today <laughs> and it's unheard of yeah. today right so i really don't know how to go about it but technically it doesn't belong to you <laughs> so technically you have to do whatever it takes to make your peace with uh, the content yeah so is this like a larger conversation about uh what we consider on as necessary for the scene or the art that were, that is being made right because uh, a story might require sex and nudity according to the director but then the people who are in actually involved and actually have the onus to film it and all of that they may not feel that so one example is euphoria there's lots of conversations about you know lots of gratuitous sex scenes that are unnecessary so even those with uh, sydney sweeney uh, who was in most of the sex scenes she said that she had an intimacy coordinator she's very grateful to them uh, it still it still doesn't answer the question of were those scenes necessary in the first place and then how much agency in the end do actors and intimacy coordinators have over like advocating for a story to change like the way you're telling the story to change because maybe there is a conversation to be had here about sometimes like from what you're saying as well like sometimes audiences just may not be ready to like watch those scenes because of how they they're going to like react to the person in them like what you were talking about and sometimes it's a larger conversation about like sometimes the scene is just not necessary so like how much of agency do we have or like do actors and intimacy coordinators have in that sense like is is it a larger conversation about how we should maybe change storytelling itself yeah you know the thing is again like it's so tricky to say because it depends also on when the actor is brought on when the intimacy coordinator is brought on uh what what how um well known the actor is how open the director is for uh, this conversation so if an intimacy coordinator is brought on early on in the process which is at a at a stage when you know production is happening they can take the scenes they can break the script down and and give recommendations for what they think is necessary what isn't necessary how these scenes can be approached and if it's really integral to the character or if it's it's just happening for the sake of adding sex quota to a show or a film same with the actor like at a time uh, so whenever we're auditioning for a role and that role requires intimacy it is the duty of the casting director whoever's getting in touch with you to tell you that there is going to be intimacy and this is the level that it's going to be at and that's a stage when you can really have this conversation and really you know um discuss it with the director some directors bring on intimacy some directors don't bring on intimacy coordinators because they feel like they know better then there are other directors who bring on intimacy coordinators to again fill a quota look our um our production is kosher we have an intimacy coordinator but the intimacy coordinator is just sitting in one place completely uselessly which is also a really sad thing to happen and then of course there's shows like say like class where the intimacy coordinator and the actors have an active role in um you know the conversation and where it has to go and i think with younger filmmakers uh these things these are uh you know conversations that can be had 
because they're also open to newer ideas. Absolutely. I think that's so interesting and so important also. And I think it's really interesting to think about, you know, the different nuances of the idea of consent there, right? Like, and also the passage of time, like how you might feel very differently about a scene at different points in time. And and again, like the power dynamic inherent to being a first time actor or actually an actor at any point in time, because there's always a lot riding mm-hmm. on that one film or that one show in, in your career and the role that it plays um, in making it or breaking it. Um, I, I think to expand on something that Rohita did bring up, and if we think about this idea of like, what really is the purpose of a sex scene in a film narrative, right? And if we think about that and then we ask the question of like, then what does it mean for a sex scene to be feminist in its conception, in the way that it looks? And the third thing, which probably is the most difficult in the way that audiences consume it, because like you said, you might consent to like, it's in the series, on a paid platform, whatever. And then, uh, uh, you know, a news publication puts it up. And even if the conversation is about consent and boundaries, but you're very uncomfortable with the clickbaity way in which it's put out, right? So how do we think through like all of these different aspects of it? I think especially in India, what's very exciting for me is the lead up to the intimacy uh, scene. Because like the vocabulary of Indian intimacy is so layered and it's so complex and uh, you know, it's so ethnically diverse. If you, you know, I was talking about in a pro- another podcast where it was literally like, you know, if a woman is like holding the edge of her dupatta in her mouth and the way she bites <laughs> onto it means something which only we understand. So, and especially with like horror and intimacy, you know, these things that we kind of pick up, tropes we pick up from the West and we just, you know, drop as bombs on <laughs> uh, on an Indian, uh, you know, in an Indian film or a series. It doesn't work, you know. Why is this uh, biblical ghost, <laughs> you know, haunting this space when we have this rich, uh, you know, legacy of jinns and, you know, dyans and this and that. Um, so that kind of stuff is really interesting in that, uh, to build that vocabulary and to see that on screen is honestly, for me, more interesting than watching a scene of intimacy. Uh, but I do think that there is a lot of responsibility for us to put these out. I think when it becomes uh, what obviously makes us uh, a sex scene feminist is one that the lens and the gaze from the director, the cameraman, uh, the camera woman is um, is neutral. Um, and you're not kind of panning up and down the body like I mentioned earlier and, you know, just making it like muckier than it needs to be. Or you're showing both people's pleasure, or you're really flipping, you know, uh, tropes a little bit where you do see the man undressing lavishly the way women are, or you see a man performing for a woman, or the woman having some agency. I think that's, I mean, it's, it is, that is basic and universal. Yeah. 100%. I think like we shouldn't have to lord Savarya so much for giving us a man dancing in a towel. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I just want to bring up something that has come up in these conversations recently about intimacy coordinators, which is some actors 
pushing back against it, which is very strange. So uh, the actor Sean Bean from Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, whatever, um, said that intimacy coordinators spoil the spontaneity. And then like he said, I think the natural way lovers behave would be ruined by somebody bringing it right down to a technical exercise. It's easy to dismiss him because like for the longest time, men have usually been uh, almost like safe relatively uh, than uh, women on sets in, because of the power dynamic. But then this week, um, Tony Collette, the actress, uh, she said that uh, intimacy coordinators being present in the room <clears throat> actually made her nervous, like more anxious. And she said, uh, like the people who were brought in to make me feel more at ease were making me feel more anxious. They weren't helping. So I asked them to leave. So is there some truth to that in your opinion? Like the idea of spontaneity, the idea of pressure and anxiety, if you over choreograph a scene where you're supposed to be really vulnerable, can that add to the anxiety? Um, so yeah, I mean, like this whole thing about chemistry also being organic, uh, if, but if you over choreograph it, does it translate? Like those questions are something like people have been asking. So yeah, what do you think? So for the first part, I'd say that honestly, intimacy coordinating is like action coordinating or stunt coordinating. Now tomorrow an actor can come out and be like, no, but when a stunt coordinator is on set, I don't feel like I want to actually beat the crap out of this person. That doesn't happen, right? Like that's not a conversation at all. And so um, I don't think that it ruins the spontaneity. Uh, I think that again, because it's such a people sensitive job, the one thing that an IC and a good IC can do is kind of adapt their approach to the style of the actor. Some actors really like to know exactly, I need to kiss four times, three seconds each kiss, one to the left, three to the right. And they feel really comfortable in knowing that structure. And then there are some people who like to play, who want to, you know, who just want the basic, okay, this is the emotion of the scene. This is, these are, uh, this is where your act, the other actor, your co-actor is okay to be touched or this is how they're okay to be held now act so I think that an IC can come in and really just uh, make sure that like the best practices are being taken care of on set and then adapt to the style of the actor um, I also I and to the to the second thing I, I kind of understood where she's coming from again because it's such a people sensitive job right sometimes you want to go on a set and you want to look out for your actor. Now, this might be in the form of, say, it happened to me in, on, in one of the scenes where every time um, the scene would end, the intimacy coordinator is supposed to hand the robe over to the actor so that they can cover themselves. But the way in which on that specific day, that specific intimacy coordinator was robing me uh, so aggressively like every time there was cut she would just like cover me and it honestly it put, put me into my head and I started feeling a lot of shame I'm, and then I was like are people staring at me is there some weird gaze on me is that why she's covering me so hectically or what is it and and it actually ended up doing the opposite so I think maybe that's something that would might make sense to what you are asking about? I think it brings up an interesting question, right? Which is that I think very often we tend to view characters as completely detached from the actors that they're playing. And when, let's say, the actors uh, 
their persona becomes really larger than life, then we stop even seeing them as human beings separately. It's about who they are as a persona, right? Uh, but but you are a real person <laughs> playing a character. And especially when you're doing um, intimate scenes, how does your comfort with uh, an actor factor into it? And how does the fact that, hey, there are also very real, uh, you know, unlike everything else, which you're sort of putting on, in terms of, uh, you know, sex scenes or intimate scenes, is there actually having to navigate around actual, like, physical attraction and the ways in which that might manifest? Or how do you make sure that you're not uncomfortable, right? Like, because actors, say, in the past have spoken about... Um, an erection which might make someone uncomfortable, which happens in a scene, which might be their natural response. It's not even necessarily that, you know, they're doing it on purpose or something like that. I mean, I've only done it on this one project, <laughs> so I can't really speak universally because this has been the only experience I've had. Yeah. Um, what you were referring to is arousal non-concordance, and that's something that we're taken through with the intimacy coordinator uh, in early conversations. Uh, but what is very important that on uh, for the intimacy coordination uh, scenes of intimacy, uh, we use barriers between uh, actors' genitals. So whether that be so, some of the ones that we use are like a deflated Pilates ball, okay. or or uh, you know a, a little like a, a yoga mat or things like that a towel so you're never actually touching genitals ever so if or say suppose you're doing a scene uh, where you know there's like doggy style yeah. or something uh, the a, the actor in front will be wearing like a butt pad or something to really uh, keep that distance and for actors who identify as male um, they are given um, L guards to wear as as a so that it's something so that even if there is like some kind of arousal they can they they're not going to get conscious yeah. and you know uh have everybody notice so that's a added uh, layer of uh, safety yeah but with, with feelings and emotions and all of that i really don't know what to say i uh, have not been able to navigate what that would be like maybe if ever in the future <laughs> something like that does happen um but the thing is like workshops uh are so thorough in terms of really mapping out each actor's consent where they're not okay to be touched how they are okay to be touched etc etc and uh, shooting the scene is so unromantic and it's so unarousing <laughs> that I really don't think that it's possible. Like, it's not possible. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the idea of the gaze a little bit because I think you also brought it up when, you know, when we talk about um, making sex scenes in movies and TV shows feminist, a very important aspect of it is the gaze. Um how do you determine that? Like, how do you, I mean, if, if I had to ask the both of you, what for you is, uh, you know, use the term neutral gaze, Nena, like what for you is a neutral mm -hmm. gaze or what for you is a gaze that actually um, serves the story ra rather than serving like, um, you know, ideas of uh, cis titillation or, you know, being salacious for the sake of it. And, and you did mention some of that earlier, Nena, in terms of, you know, the kind of shots that are taken, the perspective, um, are the characters empowered, etc. But but if you had to just define it in like, let's say one line or something, let's put a really difficult ask for the both of you. <laughs> as a yeah. viewer or as a as an actor? As, as a viewer, I guess, yeah. 
Rota, you want to take a stab at it? Um, yeah, as okay, like the show Normal People, people have spoken a lot about uh, the intimate scenes in that show between between the people, the actors playing Connell and Marianne, because it was so passionate. Um, so it wasn't just like sex for the sake of it. It was the passion that really stood out to people. And there was a lot of like, I think that also like renewed conversations about intimacy coordinators, how important they are to a scene to like, to, to replicate those uh, dynamics of like actually wanting somebody. Um, and then like even, okay, Bridgerton people have had this conversation, but I have a problem with that. Um, so the actor who plays Daphne in Bridgerton, she said that she said intimacy coordinators coordinators are important because no one wants to be told how to perfect an orgasm on set by a man. Um, but I mean, the show has a plot point itself, which is really problematic because it it dismissed almost like a violation of consent that Simon had to go through. So like in the plot, it was a really problematic uh, understanding of sex and consent, but in the process of shooting it, like that understanding was there. So I don't know, like even if something seems not feminist on screen, it could be in the way it's shot. And then even if something seems like that, it couldn't, it may not be in the way it's shot. Like, so, I mean, unless that's why it's so interesting to hear your perspective, because you've like been on both sides uh, Nena, and like even as an intimacy coordinator right now someone who's training to be like that's why like you know that question about how much agency do you have over the scene itself and like changing the course of the plot becomes important I guess in in this if you if you want to talk about a neutral gaze or like a truly feminist sex scene maybe it is about whether something whether a scene is being performed for the camera. Uh, I think normal people, again, it's like deeply passionate, but it's, it's uh, they're not doing, like the frames aren't set up in a way or the actors aren't acting in a way where it is for the camera, for the viewer. You are kind of being voyeuristically brought into a very intimate moment between two people. Um, and maybe that is where the neutral gaze comes in or... Say, okay, if you're going to take a close-up of uh, a woman's breasts, then at least give me a close-up of the man's crotch in the exact <laughs> same way. It has to be one is to one ratio, you know. It can't just be like focusing on, um, you know, pulling apart and uh, building up like um, the woman as an object. And I think that's really uh, interesting in uh, class itself because... For the first time, like I saw Bali, that happening to Bali. And in the whole series, I feel like Bali was a lot more objectified. Yeah. And that was so refreshing to watch because you don't really see a, a, a show that really looks at the male form and celebrates it in the way that um, most Indian cinema celebrates women's yeah. form. So yeah, maybe something like that. I don't know. This reminded me of like... Scenes where the like the scene doesn't even involve sex between two people, but then somebody is gazing at somebody else who is naked. Uh, I mean, like the 
the most iconic i guess if you want to call it that scene is like the one in titanic right where like the draw me like your french girls uh, that scene and it's like the the plot dictates that only one of them has to and then the other is actually gazing at them in that way um I wonder if intimacy coordinators come in here also. I mean, it is vulnerability, but you're not being intimate with somebody in that way that requires like bodily contact. Um, but it's still about like, what is the gaze over here? Like, do intimacy coordinators play a role in just like changing the gaze, even when it comes to scenes where somebody's alone in a in a frame, right? Like, it doesn't involve like two people per se. Yeah, I think you would. Uh, you would fight for that or you would advocate for it i don't know again it's so totally director and production specific whether you're successful in that you know that war or not um but definitely I, again like if there's the opportunity to really be involved in a script from a very early stage then you can advocate for all of these things you can make your recommendations a lot of the time what happens is that they bring you on closer to the end I mean, to to the point where they're going to start filming. So all of these these discussions or decisions have already happened, and that's unfortunate. Or sometimes, again, because of part power dynamic, a director might have already spoken to an actor, and then if you try to intervene, it feels like an offense to the director. Where I'm cool with my actor, my actor's cool with me. So who are you to suddenly come in the middle and have this conversation? Um, so yeah it's it's just it's such a gray space <laughs> and the idea is just to keep it kosher and to make sure that people are feeling comfortable and they can go home feeling the least uh, affected yeah that's such a lovely way to put it um i feel like unfortunately there's one aspect of the dynamic which is the most difficult to control and i think which really affects the most when we talk about like what does a feminist sex scene mean right which is like the perception or where you bring in the audience watching um a sex scene into the picture because i think that uh like around the world we have a tendency to say that it's worse in india or in developing countries but around the world the way in which we consume sex the way in which we talk about sex and the fact that the objectification is unequal is is a big problem right so um i think then what you felt especially yeah. like you spoke about like you know the fear or getting certain kinds of messages and just because it's not like you're going back to becoming a different person once the show releases or having some kind of special protection you're still that same person and uh you know and women actors like inadvertently have to face that kind of like you know the fear of uh, harassment way more and an actual harassment because of what they play on screen way way more right like and i just wonder yeah. how much that's changed because um you know when the film on pool and devi shekhar kapoor's film on pool and devi released there's that very infamous anecdote that people actually cheered and you know watched the rape scene as if it was a sex scene and not as if it was even though in the mm -hmm. narrative itself it's supposed to be a horrifying sequence but you know it was watched as if it is a titillating sex scene and how do we actually grapple with that aspect of it maybe it's a more complicated question but just putting it out there yeah <laughs> it's just very layered and complicated question i don't know how to answer this question but i will just give you an insight into how i feel in my life um before doing class i was fairly confident with whatever i was putting out on instagram i might have put out like 
racier content <laughs> on my Instagram page. But that was me putting it out. I was the one who directed the reels. I was the one who made sure that the shoots were shot a certain way. I had a hundred percent consent. And thanks to my algorithm, I was also pretty safe in my yeah. environment. Yeah, you know. Then comes a show where the only thing I can do is is be an actor who is a part of it. I don't see the edit till it's out on the inside. It, it's out in the world internationally, and um, and I don't know what's coming out on the other end. And now my algorithm threshold has broken, and it's going to everywhere it it finds yeah. its way to. And what does that do for me? None of those people know who I am as Nana Bhan. They don't know what I stand for. They just see this person, Koyal Kalra, and she's got this life, and it's so intrinsically opposite to who I am as a person. And then that's all that you see. And then you know, then it becomes a question also uh, of the next time somebody wants me to be in a in a show or in an ad or in a uh, shoot. Maybe they don't even ask for my consent because they're like, "Oh, she did that earlier." Yeah. But she was wearing a bikini on her Instagram. Why is it, why is she saying yeah. no now? Why are you so shy of wearing this bra right now? But you on your Instagram are wearing a bikini. That's my space. That's guarded by me. I choose what I'm putting out there and how I want people to engage yeah. with it. Uh, so it's really not the same thing at all. Um, and i think actually after the show i've gone a bit more inward and become a little bit more reserved because my agency is no longer mine yeah. you know yeah. it is wherever the show takes it is and then i have to be prepared to answer those questions so when i'm going live or whatever you know it's like i don't know it's a first world problem max max <laughs> max but like you know if i'm going live on instagram and i ask me anything and back in the day people would ask me questions about myself and now it's just like men being like who's harder balli or sharan <laughs> you know so the, it, i mean it's a strange world <laughs> to to navigate um and and i and i still would like to uh, um I would still like to push for, you know, liberation and emancipation and all of those things. And I want to be the person who's part of the conversation about, you know, uh, female intimacy or what it looks like or what the future looks like. But um, these are all the invariable, you know, things that come yeah. with it. Uh, and then I don't know what kind of feminist that makes me <laughs> because sometimes I'm ashamed, sometimes I'm embarrassed, sometimes I'm empowered. And uh, then I feel almost like, okay, it's my duty to feel good about all of these and be woke as hell and be the face and be the person for, to, you know, to fight for like intimacy on Indian yeah. streams. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm all over the place with this. <laughs> so. I think you said that you know the dilemmas about being a feminist in this position, but I think, I mean, you're doing the best thing by offering us your candor and your insights, and by really like helping us think through publicly about like you know what does it mean to engage with um, intimacy and sex on screen in a way that is feminist and sex positive. So thank you so much for joining us to have this discussion, and um, I hope we've left listeners with a lot of interesting nuggets and a lot of complicated and layered questions to. think through with us <laughs> thank you nena thank you for having me this podcast is brought to you by ts studios the production company that brings the swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films